1: The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform about health matters affecting adults. From latest research updates to tricks on navigating the healthcare system and everything in between. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Lindsay. How are you, Lindsay? I'm good, how are you? Doing well, doing well. I think we have an exciting topic today. Um, We do. Yeah, it's just been really
0: fun to see how uh, everybody is reacting and especially in the medical community, about getting their uh, COVID vaccine.
1: Yes, exactly. It's um, exciting, and I know there are lots of questions, too. So today we're going to talk about COVID, COVID-19 vaccines.
0: Right. So we hope to answer um, all of your questions um, and concerns to hopefully um, – not persuade you, but hopefully give you the confidence that you need to, um, get the vaccine and feel that it is safe because I believe that it is.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So we thought we'd do this in a question and answer format, kind of based on questions that we've been receiving from people in the community as well as our own patients. And so we've got a list of questions here. Certainly if we don't address your questions, you can email them in at the end of the episode. Um, and we will try to get them before too long here. But, um, as probably most of you know, you know we have been vaccinating healthcare workers. I think at our healthcare system, the uptake has been very high, but it's variable across the country. And now public health and other health systems are moving into higher risk general populations, as well as uh, teachers and dentists and pharmacists and things like that. So um, an exciting time and hopefully it won't be so long before you have an opportunity to get the vaccine if you want to. Exactly. All right, well, Lindsay, should we start by just answering the question, how do these vaccines work? And I think we're gonna focus on the uh, Pfizer and Moderna vaccines because those are the two that have the emergency use authorization. So why don't we just give an overview of what they do once they're injected?
0: Right, so these are both kind of novel vaccines in that um, instead of live virus or pieces of the dead virus, they're actually what we call messenger RNA vaccines.
1: The messenger RNA is kind of encoded by a a lipid or fatty molecule, and that helps it get into our cells once it's injected. So our cells aren't going to take up, they only take up certain substances, and this will help it get into our cells. Um, I've heard, I've had the question, does it get incorporated into my DNA? No, it does not. Um, so messenger RNA is something that just sits in this, inside the cell. And then Lindsay, you want to talk about what happens next?
0: There's the the messenger RNA gives instructions to our cells to make a harmless piece of um, a portion of the, uh, the COVID infection, the SARS-CoV-2 infection that's called a spike protein. So there's a part of the outer um, layer of the virus that has what we'll call a spike protein on it. And that um, piece has been made on this vaccine that then is uptake into our, that is taken into our cells. And then we make that piece of protein and our body recognize that as foreign and starts making antibodies to it.
1: Exactly. And then the messenger RNA itself doesn't stay there permanently. It gets degraded over uh, weeks after it was made, and. So does the protein that is made. So it's not something that stays permanently in our bodies. Um, and then you, you develop antibodies. And the reason for the two doses, so with the Pfizer vaccine, it's three weeks apart. With the Moderna vaccine, it's four weeks apart. The second dose just helps ensure that we have lasting antibodies. So um, the, the first dose should do a nice job creating the initial antibodies. And the second dose is just to keep those antibodies around for as long as we possibly can.
0: Right. And so again, I would stress that this vaccine does not give us any live part of the virus. So you cannot be infected by the vaccine. And then the messenger RNA that is injected in never enters the nucleus of your cell, which is where our DNA is kept. So it can never be incorporated into our permanent DNA. And then the cell breaks it down and gets rid of it um, after it's finished instructing the, the cell what to do and what to make. Exactly. So
1: overall, kind of a really neat mechanism. Um, it has been used in other animals, I believe. I think, um, you know, in, in agriculture, they use similar vaccines for immunizing, say, cattle against coronaviruses. But this is novel for humans. And hopefully this will really be a technology that we can use in the future as well. So it's, it's an exciting thing. And in safety trials, looks like it's very safe and very effective. So good news on those accounts.
0: Right, and I
1: guess I, I would... I, I wanted to just mention, so Lindsay said, you said it won't give you the virus, it won't make you infected, but people do get symptoms, they get a reaction from it, so let's maybe spend a minute talking about that too, because um, the virus, or excuse me, the immunization, the injection that you receive does generate symptoms, and what that is, is it's our bodies Um, developing the antibodies and basically fighting the little proteins that look foreign to it. And so it's not uncommon to have some symptoms. And again, it's not that you're getting COVID. It's not that it can even, it can't give you COVID. It cannot um, give you an infection, but it will often cause some side effects.
0: Yeah, and that's your your immune system um, building up against it. Exactly. So that in the future, when you see that infection, your body will jump on it and take care of it before it causes you symptoms. Exactly.
1: So should we jump right in there and talk about some common side effects?
0: Yeah. So I think the biggest ones, like any injection, right, um, or vaccine in the past, is like um, the site can become red and inflamed um, and irritated.
1: Yeah. I would say for most people that I've talked to, myself included, when I got the vaccine, it was very painless. And even that day, I did not have really any symptoms. It was the next day that most of us had a pretty sore arm. Um, And I would say that, for sure, is the most common side effect that I've heard of.
0: Sore arm, I think uh, many people describe feeling fatigue and headaches.
1: Yeah. Low-grade fevers are not uncommon, even some moderate-grade fevers, I would say, especially in our younger adult population, so our younger medical staff, I would say there were more fevers reported, but otherwise, um, you know, just kind of that fatigue, headache, not feeling great. I think most of us, though, were able to work. It wasn't, we weren't so, great. Um, we weren't feeling so bad that we had to stay home, even though, you know, you definitely had some side effects, some, some minor symptoms related to the vaccine.
0: Yeah. I I agree. It seemed like most people I talked to who got it seemed to get symptoms um, probably 12 hours or so after yeah, the injection. And then it probably only lasted, you know, for the 24 hours after that. And then it seemed to really quickly resolve as soon as it, you know, kind of as fast as it came on, it seemed to go away.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And I you know, read in the initial, st- in the initial studies on the vaccines, it looked like they were reporting more side effects with the second dose of the vaccine. Um, that was not my experience. I actually felt like the second dose probably was maybe a little milder than the first dose. I don't know. How about you, Lindsay?
0: I definitely felt it worse with the second dose. Okay. Uh, I had a, I had a sore arm with the first and then the second I did get some, I was at work Um but I kinda wished I wasn't. Sure. Um I mean I was able to, to just plug away through, but I had body aches and chills and probably a low grade fever I didn't check, but
1: Okay. I had those with the first dose, and I was a little nervous that if it were worse with the second, it would be tough to get through the day. But the second was about the same for me. So it didn't it didn't worsen anyway, which was good.
0: Yeah, and, and like I said, it didn't last I mean probably um let's see, I got my injection at 5 p.m. And I didn't feel bad until probably the next day at 10 a.m. And then by 6 p.m. I felt fine again. So it was.
1: Sure. Yeah. 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 It really wasn't long lasting side effects for sure.
0: It does seem like um, older adults have less side effects altogether with it. Yes.
1: Yeah. That is um, what from heard.
0: the data and and also from what I've heard from exactly people that I've known. There's also some report of some funny kind of rash things around the injection site that don't happen for maybe 10 days a- and after. Um, and then there's just a little rash there and more swelling and that has, has gone away in, in a couple of days as well. So some sort of late injection site reactions have been reported, not very often.
1: Yeah, so I would say if you're planning to get the vaccine, do expect to have some symptoms. If you don't, that's great. But if you do, it's just the vaccine working and your body making antibodies, which is exactly what we want to protect you from getting a severe COVID infection.
0: And I would say, um, I know one of the questions people have been asking is, are you supposed to avoid taking something like um, ibuprofen, Aleve? or Tylenol acetaminophen for these symptoms? Is that the right or the wrong thing
1: to do? So we know looking at some past studies on influenza vaccines, people who took Tylenol starting right before they got the vaccine for the next 24 hours, kind of on a schedule, um, had a slightly lower immune response than people who did not. So I think that's where this question comes from is that we know it can potentially blunt the immune response. Um, But it is actually, it appears to be fine to take some Tylenol or Advil or other things. They are recommending that you don't take it necessarily um, prophylactically. So don't take it in advance of symptoms. But if you do develop symptoms, it like a low-grade fever or whatever, chills, aches, you can take Tylenol and that's safe and shouldn't shouldn't affect your response to the vaccine to the point that it doesn't work. It should be just fine to do that.
0: Um, What are... Some other side of, I mean, I don't know if we want to talk
1: about more rare things that we've heard happen or. I did have the question the other day. People have heard about Bell's palsy associated with the vaccines, and so we should spend a minute on that. Um, Bell's palsy is not a common thing, but it's something that happens where people get numbness in one side of the face, basically, and can have facial droop, um, eye droop, or difficulty um, closing an eye, and it's just one side of the face that's affected. That happens, um, you know, at a certain rate in the general population just randomly. And so I had a question about whether or not one of the vaccines versus the other was more likely to cause this. So even though we see some cases of Bell's palsy after people have received the vaccine, the rates are... Similar to what we see in the general population. And so we certainly cannot say that the vaccines caused Bell's palsy, but we know that Bell's palsy did occur, again, at similar rates to what happens in the normal population on a daily basis, um, but it did occur in some patients with the vaccine. And I think between Moderna and Pfizer, they each had three and four cases of Bell's palsy, which, again, is very comparable to what we see in the normal population. So I would say, you know, looking at that, certainly they're equally safe um, and it doesn't appear that they're causing Bell's palsy.
0: I think another question that um, people have had or they've heard, I think somewhat not correct facts um, about if you have lots of allergies that you should not get this because you'll more likely have an allergic reaction.
1: Yes, that is a, a myth that we have been hearing.
0: Right. So we want to tell you that even if you have multiple allergies to foods and to bees and to all of, and other medications, that does not mean that you're more likely to have an allergic reaction to this vaccine. Um, It's actually been found to have very few allergic reactions. Yeah. Um, there's no eggs in the the um, serum or the the fluid the liquid that it's um, made in so there's no egg allergy issues
1: exactly and and the good news is when you get the injection if you're doing it at a clinic site they are well prepared to handle a reaction if, if you would have one but certainly the reactions are not common um, but again I would just say you know every pretty much right now, the standard is when you get it, you stay for 15 minutes after you've had your vaccine to make sure that you're not going to have a reaction. Um, And if you're somebody who has allergies, or you're just a little more worried about it, you can certainly stay longer. I don't know how that might change as distribution um, spreads to other facilities. But right now, that's what has been happening in the healthcare facilities. Right. I've also had the question about people with low immune systems. So people who are on medications for say rheumatoid arthritis or cancer treatment, can, can they get the vaccine and should they? Right. And I think
0: the answer to that is yes, they should even more than the um, normal population without those problems. They're at higher risk from the COVID infection itself. And so therefore they need to get the vaccine to protect them. And, um, it is not a live virus in the vaccine, so it, they're not going to get the infection from the vaccine.
1: Exactly. The only difference might be if you are um, significantly immunosuppressed is that you may not generate as strong of a response to the vaccine as other people do. Um, but you know, sometimes if you're on a rheumatologic medication, Talk to your rheumatologist, and they might have you hold your medications for a week. Again, talk with your talk with your doctor about this. Um, but there there are different recommendations for that. But certainly, getting the vaccine will not give you COVID, so it's safe. And people who have lower immune systems are at higher risk of getting really sick from COVID. So um, I would definitely recommend the vaccine in that group. I think it's often just a timing
0: of those other medications that would decrease your immune response so that you can get the biggest response possible. Exactly. Another kind of question, I guess, that goes along with that is what about timing with other vaccines?
1: Yes. Um, I believe the recommendations are to not get other vaccines within two weeks of the COVID vaccine. Is that the number you've heard, Lindsay?
0: That is what I've heard as well. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, You know, I don't think... I think they're just trying to space it out so that if there's a reaction, they can trace which vaccine any reaction would be coming from, um, and to let your immune system kind of respond to one before it's responding to the other. But two weeks is kind of the recommendation. I have been telling my patients who've been asking about the shingles vaccine, you know, I say um, I'd rather have them prioritize and get the COVID shot as soon as they can the shingles vaccine, you know, shingles isn't usually life-threatening. It can be miserable, but it's not usually life-threatening. And so I feel like just waiting on that one until, you know, they know when and if they can get their COVID vaccine, and then they can do do the shingles shots later. Um, but right, otherwise, that, I'm really not having people hold off.
0: Right. I would say that. And tetanus has come up for me. And I said, just hold off on those so that you can get your COVID as soon as your time comes, and then we'll get exactly. those others.
1: Yeah. So I guess just think about if you think you're going to be up for the COVID shot soon, or you have an appointment scheduled, I would avoid getting other vaccines right now and just wait. Um, Again, I I would classify the COVID vaccine as the most urgent right now. And then the others for most people, and then the others can be done in a few weeks. Another question kind
0: of along those lines would be what if I had COVID, Should I get the vaccine? Yeah. If I had the infection, when and if I should get the vaccine as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we are still recommending that people get the vaccine, even if they've had COVID, because, again, immunity from the from the illness does not last forever. Um, And so the vaccine will help kind of extend that immunity. If you're looking, you know, if you just had a recent infection, so within the last three months, you're less likely to be at risk of getting COVID right now. And so if you wanted to wait till more toward the end of that time frame, you sure could. The only real rule with that is that if you received the monoclonal antibody infusion, then we do recommend waiting 90 days after that infusion to get the vaccine. Um, But if you just had COVID illness, as long as you've been well for two weeks, we say, yeah, go ahead and get the vaccine. Correct.
0: Well, I guess one of
1: the questions is,
0: should I hold off for the Moderna versus the Pfizer or Pfizer versus Moderna? Is one better than the other?
1: Yeah, I would say that looking at the information we have, they really appear to be equivalent. And so I've been telling people whichever one they can get, they should get.
0: Exactly. They're very, both of them, probably one of the highest immunity rates, um, you know, in the 90s that we've seen for any vaccine that we've given in the past.
1: Yeah, both appear to be really, really excellent. And then just, it should be noted too, the schedule for those two is slightly different. So you do need to know which one you received so that you know when to get your second dose. So for the Pfizer vaccine, it's three weeks apart from your first to your second dose And for the Moderna one, it is four weeks apart. Um, And kind of along those lines, the other question I've had about that is, what if you're late for your second dose or you missed your second dose? Then do you have to start the series over?
0: Right. And right now, the
1: recommendation is, no, you don't start it over.
0: You just receive that second dose.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So um, we know you get good antibodies with the first dose, but the second dose is really to help Create those longer-lasting antibodies, and so um, if you're late, you should just be able to get the second dose. And then another question I've heard, again along those lines, are that some countries are only administering one dose in order to get the vaccine to more people. Do people really need the second dose? And I would say, if you want to get to that 95 percent rate
0: of efficacy, then you need to get that second dose. You we just have less. Um, is probably not as as effective and not as effective for as long if you don't get that second dose.
1: Exactly. So the studies were really in terms of the efficacy, they were looking at people who received both doses, not people who received one dose. And so if people only receive one dose, unfortunately, we are going to be a lot farther from getting to that herd immunity that you hear about um, because we need a high percentage of the population to have really good immunity to it. And so we strongly recommend getting both doses of whatever series you start.
0: Um, I guess we probably do need to say who who can get it. So I think right now, um, what are the age? I think it's 18 and older for the Pfizer. And was the Moderna? I
1: think, think Moderna is 18 and up. I thought it was the other way around, but okay, yep. <laughs> I could be wrong. One of them is ages 16 and up. The other is ages 18 and up. Um, right. But yes, yeah, so basically any adult um, over the age or young adult, even over the age of 16 or 18, can get the vaccine. And the the question, the big question, is just when are they going to be eligible for it? Right, and that's kind of been determined by
0: individual states public health have been given the um, go ahead to make recommendations of how it is rolled out and that they're basing that basically on risk um, by the CDC's um, and researches risk of infection exactly for mortality exactly and so they've started with I think 80 and older Uh, And then they're going to go younger based on um, risk factors. So immunity uh, or immunosuppression, uh, diabetes, heart disease, those kinds of things.
1: Yep. COPD or lung disease, obesity. Um, Yes. And so I think, you know, locally, our priority system is going in two different directions. One is you know, getting, getting high-risk workers vaccinated first. So that would be healthcare workers and then other people in medical-type fields like our dentists, um, followed by teachers and other groups who have contact with large numbers of people. And then in the healthcare arena, we're doing exactly what you said, Lindsay, stratifying by risk factors uh, related to health. And so um, I have patients, you know, say, oh, I'm a teacher and I'm also in this age group. Who's going to contact me? And generally, my recommendation is just, you know, whoever you hear from first, sign up to get the vaccine when you can. Um, You know, whatever group you fall into that gets you higher priority, go for it.
0: Um, I know there's been concerns uh, people who are um, of childbearing age and their ability to conceive after the vaccine.
1: There's been no evidence that the vaccine affects fertility. There were some concerns about um, antibodies and I think, endometrial lining or something. But there is no, no evidence to say that women are, have reduced fertility after receiving the COVID vaccines. And the vaccines are recommended for women who are considering pregnancy, because pregnancy is a higher risk condition when someone is infected with COVID. Right. And then uh, on those uh, same lines, how about pregnant and lactating women? Should they get the vaccine? So right now, we don't, we don't have data to say whether or not it's... Uh, we don't have studies proving the safety of the vaccine in pregnancy or lactation. However, the vaccine should still be offered to pregnant and lactating women who meet criteria for vaccination. And they should just be informed that, again, because pregnancy is a higher risk condition for more severe COVID illness... They should be offered the vaccine and they have the decision, you know, with their doctor to decide whether or not they want to receive it. We are at this point not aware of harms of the vaccine on an unborn fetus or newborn um, or on a pregnant woman. Scientifically, I don't think there's any way that it works that
0: it should not be, right? Um, It should not be harmful by the way it works. Exactly exactly. Yes. So ed- scientifically educated people who know how the body work and this vaccine works, there should be no way that it causes harm.
1: Exactly. yep. And similarly for lactating women, it's um, not thought to be harmful. They're not they don't need to interrupt lactation, so you don't necessarily have to pump and dump after you receive the vaccine. Um, you can just receive the vaccine. And continue nursing if you are nursing. So I think our
0: OB gyns are very much recommending that pregnant lactating women get the vaccine.
1: Yes, yes. And again, that's that's because of increased risk of severe COVID illness while pregnant, and then for lactating women, it you know again can be occupational risk or other. And so they do recommend that. Um, the vaccine is certainly offered, and that each individual has a conversation with their clinician about it.
0: Right. So, I guess who cannot get the vaccine? And I did find so it's Pfizer. Um, if you're 16 or younger or under the age of 16, you cannot get the Pfizer vaccine. If you're under the age of 18, you cannot get the Moderna vaccine at this time. And then if you've had an immediate allergic reaction to, any of the components. So there's a polyethylene glycol in one of them. So if you know you have an allergy to that or um, polysorbate would be another reaction that if you had an allergy and knew it was to polysorbate, you should not get.
1: The other contraindication then to getting a second dose would be, of course, a bad reaction to the first dose, like an anaphylactic reaction. And again, having the aches and fever and things, that's not a reason not to get the second dose. But having throat swelling, that would be a reason to skip the second dose.
0: Any other questions we can think of?
1: I think we covered most of the list here.
0: I think we did too. But certainly if you come up with another question that we haven't answered today, please email us.
1: Yeah, you can email us at mail at com email us your questions and then um, you know if you find this to be helpful please share it with family and friends and even more helpful for us is is to give us a rating a like on whatever platform you're listening to us on or give us a review um, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts Spotify, Amazon Music and Stitcher
0: You can also follow us on Twitter or Facebook
1: Awesome, well we'll look forward to your emails about additional questions and Otherwise, we'll hopefully get our next episode up soon here. Great. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.